Now, I want to just share on something I've shared before, but because of the agenda of the month, I want to re-emphasize on it. Church programs. Church programs. As a church, we have frequent programs. And uh, it is God's own design that we should have programs. God works his purposes through the programs of the church. Every organization has programs. If you are in a corporate organization, there are annual auditing time, there are annual appraisal time, there are annual get-together. There's, there's always something going on. And programs are special occasions for certain issues to be addressed. In the church, we have two main forms of gatherings. The large gatherings and then the small gatherings. Say the large and small. Now, they are, these are the two wings of the church that represent the wings of a bed. You know, every bed has two wings. And it takes the two wings to allow the bed to fly. Without the wings, the bed cannot fly. No matter how healthy the bed may be, if one wing is not working, he cannot fly. A church with an overemphasis on one of these wings will not grow. So if we Sunday we are an, a, a lot. On weekday, we are small. Women's fellowship, we are small. PVV, you are small. MMV, we are small. Um, if such meetings are not at par, as effective as the major program meetings, the church will not grow. My aim as a pastor is to make sure that every department grows. The growth of every department directly affects the growth of the church. So if now we have 15 ushers, then we have, now we get 30 ushers. Is that not growth? If we have 25 choristers and we get 50 choristers, is that not growth? So, assuming we grow every department to a number of 30, what will happen to the church? Growth. So, the small groups are as important as the bigger group. Can I hear a big amen? Can I hear a bigger amen? Now, let's see the balance in scripture. Number one, we, the Bible calls a certain country the nation of Israel. So the church of about 3,000 people had three annual gatherings. So Israel had three specific gatherings in the year, programs, where they, meet, where they met and they, did, they have the Passover and all that. Now, God addressed them as a whole church or a whole nation with three million people. Okay? However, 
the entire nation was divided into 12 tribes. Say 12 tribes. 12 tribes. So the nation is the bigger picture. And then God divides the tribes or the whole nation into 12. Within the 12, God divides the 12 into families or clans, then families. So you realize that God is interested in the bigger picture and is also interested in the smaller picture. God wanted each to belong to a family even if they were foreigners. So what happened is that when you are a visitor or a foreigner in Israel, you will have to identify with a particular family or tribe. Amen. So you see the Fulanis when they are coming, they want to be near the Zungu people. <laughs> they want to be somewhere. So if, 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 if you are a foreigner in Israel, if you are a Midianite, you are an Amalekite or a, a Gadite or whatever, when you, Amorite, when you come, you need to identify, okay, I want to be a foster member. I want to be an associate of so-so-and-so. So everybody was divided into a particular family. Moses also appointed over the small groups leaders to lead them. So you have groups of hundred, groups of thousands, groups of ten thousands, depending on the capacity of the leader. Number two picture in the Bible I want to bring out. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, it talks about how God is interested in small groups and in large groups. You can see that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. You see him ministering to a multitude. A multitude. A bigger picture. However, he devoted his prime time to a small group called the 12 disciples. So the small group Big group, they must move together. Amen. So you, 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 you cannot emphasize on one and leave the other. I mean, you can't have a very powerful Sunday service and then you have a weak Tuesday service. A powerful program. I mean, when we are doing programs, you see the place packed. Then, on a normal Sunday, it goes, phew. Because we don't understand the dynamics. Amen. The third one I want to bring to your attention is the early church. When you you, you look at the early church, they first gathered in large numbers. The large numbers in temples. You know, we started Covenant Family and we stopped. But we are training some shepherds who are going to handle small groups. We're going to give them five souls, ten souls, and they are going to shepherd them, keep them, grow them, and multiply them. So, but in the early church, they met in the temple, and then they met in the houses. You see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And Acts chapter 5, verse 42. They met at homes fellowship. The reason why the church is weak not, I'm not, when I say the church, 
in this variance, I'm not talking about Carriage Temple. I'm talking about the church in general. Is because more and more people are not making time for home cell meetings. Because it is at the home cell level, the small group level, that you are able to express yourself. Leadership is discovered. People are made to lead prayer. People are made to share, encourage. I mean, that is the place where you really feel that you are in a church. But sometimes somebody can be in a church. As a pastor, I know some people's faces. But I still don't know their names. But if you say, this person, is he your church member? I'll say yes. If they were in small groups, and I knew that, I know that, oh, she's in Mary's um, fellowship group. I'll just call Mary. What is the name of, oh, it is Celestina. I say, ah, okay. But I can see that some people will miss church for a long time. They will think that the pastor has forgotten about them. That's not true. The pastor remembers that this person is not coming to church. Her name is in the data. But we cannot pair the face and the name. That is why we brought the software up. I don't know whether they are updating it. With that software, then it could help me. I said, okay, bring me the software. Let me start looking at the faces. So I'll see the face and I'll look at this. But we can decentralize it and get people on ground to encourage monitoring of church members. And that is the small groups. Amen. You know, somebody can be very sick and nobody will know. One day a member came to church after three Sundays of not coming. And she came to me and said, Pastor, so if I died like I'm dead, (laughs) and I told him that my name is Pastor Prince, not I am that I am. (laughs) It's only I am that I am that will always be with you. But me, I'm Pastor Prince. But it was just a passing comment. And I told her that, why, what happened? I was sick. I said, did you tell anybody? Don't you even have my number? You decided not to call, not to send a test. But if she was your sheep, at least you will know after one week or even during the week, your interaction, you know that, oh, so-so and so isn't feeling well. Then you report to pastor. You get it. So the small groups make the church. I mean, a strong choir if the choir keeps growing, ten. I mean, some time ago, the choir was made up of how many people? Seven or five. Growing to 12, 15, 16, 18, 20, 25. Imagine a church with a choir of 50. Ushers of 30. Technical of 30. Intercessors of 50. As for intercessors, they should outgrow all departments. Because every church, the intercessors are more than every department. So if the intercessors hit 60, choir 50, <laughs> technical 30, protocol 30, ushers 30, security 30, transport 30. I mean, your church is growing. That is, that is how powerful 
the small groups are. That is why every departmental leader must make sure that you keep your members and grow them and not to scatter them. Amen. Else we will go and gather and you scatter. We gather, you scatter. You, you lack the ability to gather and to lead. And that is where your leadership quality is being tested. We need the large groups and we need the small groups to work in this church so that we can grow. Now, why do we organize special programs? Like, yesterday we did so winning. Most of you didn't come. You, you didn't care whether you were tired. Or, but those of us who were at the all night, most of the people who came for the outreach were at the all night. So it is not that you were tired. Unless under extreme cases that you must be at work. But if you are at home, oh, pastor, I have to wash. Ah! That is wash. We have washed 1 a.m., 12 a.m. You have all the time to wash. And they are your dresses. You can decide to wash three every time you enter the bathhouse. So you don't have an excuse unless you must of necessity be at work. Now, a program is when an entire local church, like ours, gather together to hold a special event. It is a time filled with hope. Uh, I know when it's programmed, people are excited. You see, choir dressed up, protocol, ushers. Everybody is, um, ha, ha, ha. I mean, everybody is excited. Because visitors are going to come, pictures are going to be taken, the church's image. I mean, there's a kind of, yes or no? There's a kind of excitement. I mean, uh, this year, Grace and Oil Conference is coming. I mean, we had September to remember. You know, that when you see the crowd, then your anointing comes to sing. I mean, you sing, and come, and there are only five, ten. You are just demoralized. But when you see the crowd, like, Prophet Dan came, here was packed, here was packed. Yeah, this is the atmosphere we want. So, programs come to inject some energy and some zeal and passion into the church. But programs don't grow a church. It has its own dynamics of projecting the church in the area and all that. We will go through it. But it doesn't, you know, when one lesson I learned when I started ministry was signboards don't grow churches. Signboards. They don't necessarily grow churches. You can put your signboard everywhere. Hmm? People will see it and come to church. They will come for the first time. Their first impression. They won't come again. Do you understand? So, somebody asked me that, oh, our signboard that is at the corner there, that is spot. Have you seen it? Won't we change it? I said, I intentionally told them to leave it like that. So that it has a way of igniting sympathy for the church. What the enemy meant for evil, 
God will be using it for good. Because anytime somebody will pass there, he will take his time and look at the thing well. Say, ah, what has this church done to them? Ah, it is because they came and they are, they are doing a lot of, oh. Then he will go. Another person, before it becomes a talk in town. What are they doing? The name of the church. So I intentionally left it there. Because you can put a soundboard everywhere. If your system, if the church is not on ground, people will come and they will go. If the pastor is not preaching sensible and inspiring messages. I mean, what is a church? Every time they are pouring oil on you, pouring oil on you, pouring, you will make it, you will prosper, you will do this. They are not teaching you how to make it. It, it, it is no church. So somebody will come for the first time, you pour oil, second time, you pour oil, third time, you pour oil. Yeah. And the person is frustrated in the oil. How does the person come up? Somebody comes, you see the signboard, very nice. I mean, you put your picture, you've done like this, you put pictures of the church. He comes and the choir is singing and poof. Uh, Everything is chaotic. You think they will come back? So signboards don't grow churches. It is the people you have that will grow your church. It is you that will bring somebody. You will invite a friend, a brother, a cousin, a neighbor. The person will come and say, oh, I like the church. I like the preaching. I like the atmosphere. I want to stay here. Then the person stays. You have grown the church to a level. That person also stays he likes the church. He remembers a certain bad friend of his. This guy must come and be listening to this pastor. Let me invite him. The person comes, he stays. Who is growing the church? Sign boss or you? Hello? I mean, some of the people came to church and stayed because they liked the way the choir sang. I mean, they say, oh, your choir, they sang well. They came and they saw the protocol. The way the protocol ushers were organized. They say, ah, your church is organized and they stayed. So they may see the signboard and come and go back. Amen. Amen. So we don't grow churches with programs. I mean, no, no, no. That's why even the World Changers Conference, we did it under to no, no banner. I said, you bring your people. We just did handles. That's all. Now, number one. Why do we organize programs? I'm going to give you the reasons why we organize programs. and then Because our, our anniversary month is coming. That's May. And I have to prepare you for that purpose. Number one, to minister to God through corporate prayer and worship. We do programs to minister to God through corporate prayer and worship. Number two, to receive teachings from God's word. To receive teachings from God's word so that we can move to our next level. Life is full of next level. Life is full of next level. If you decide to remain where you are, you will have its own kind of enemy. If you decide to move forward in life, you will have its own kind of enemies. Choose where you want to be. So it is only through the word of God that we can move to our next level. Amen. 
When your enemies are not multiplying, it means you are not making progress. You must have a lot of envious people. People must envy you. The more they envy you, the more it shows you that you are distinguishing yourself. But if the Bible says, war unto you if everybody likes you. Everybody is singing, oh, you must have people who are not happy with you. Amen. Amen. Number three, to outwork God-given corporate purpose and direction for a season. At every time, God has a certain message for his church. So this year's anniversary theme, last year was what? Last year was what? Last two years was stretch. Last year was what? Um, hey. Favor for what? Bread and wine conference. Oh, we didn't team it. Seize the moment. Okay. Seize the moment. Yeah. This year is total takeover. You know, they are all military types. Total takeover. So, God is going to inject a certain spirit through his word into us to move us to a place where we will take over. Certain things in our areas, in our life, certain areas of our life that have been under the influence of another spirit. Number four, to fellowship with other believers. During programs, we have visitors coming, people we never saw, people we've never seen. It's an opportunity to invite your family members and all that. Number five, to demonstrate our unity as a group of believers. During programs, people will come and watch. I mean, some people just come and come and watch. Come and watch how these people are doing their things. Are they okay? I mean, somebody came here and said, he, he knew I was a young pastor, but he didn't know that I behaved like an old man. The way the church is organized, the way things are going on, oh, he will stay in the church. So people just come to observe. Amen. I mean, somebody said, he was walking here to go to a church. Then he heard me preach. He said, okay, oh, I've been hearing this man preach for a long time. Let me just come and listen to him. And then he stayed in the church with the wife. So people just come to watch you, watch you all share protocol, technical, intercessors, everybody. Visitors come to watch. They just come to watch. They've heard of us. They've done this. They just come to watch. So be conscious. Amen. Amen. Number six. To invite the unchurched people around our lives or in our lives. People who don't go to church. Programs are like we are going to have the youth camp. It's a time to invite a certain youth. Somebody to come and be blessed. Next Coming Saturday is a youth camp. We're going to talk about holiness. It's a good opportunity to bring somebody to come and hear God's word. Number seven, to market the church in the vicinity. 
I mean, the billboards, the banners, the handbills, all the noise will do is to let people know that ICGC Carriage Temple is in the area. Amen. We have to do programs to make noise. To make noise. Hey, you're around. I mean, if you don't make noise when your house is burning, who can come and save you? We have to make noise and let people know that there is a church here that is strong and solid and blessing people. Number eight, to create an atmosphere for a fresh word for God. You know, people attach very serious attitude towards programs, which is wrong though, but you can't do anything about it. They are yet to mature. But during programs, people get excited. People just get excited. People are, people's hopes and faith are high. Amen. So it creates an atmosphere for certain miracles that will not ordinarily happen. Because the faith of the people together create a very good atmosphere. So programs are good. Things to note about programs. Then I, 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 I close the teaching. Today, people are coming late. So we will push the praise and worship to somewhere around 8.40 there. Things to note about programs. It is an appointment, number one, it is an appointment with God and he, and he expects us to be present. Programs are an appointment with God and he expects us to be present. When we have a program and you don't come, it's an insult to God because he calls for the meeting and you stay at home. Say, God, you talk to them. As for me, I don't need your word. Number two, when God shows up, something good happens. I mean, various testimonies have been given during a program. I mean, most people give their lives to Christ. To amaze you, I mean, I go to Calvary Temple every next move. And I see the number of people who give their life to Christ when Ajinasari is ministry. Every year, plenty. You know, people have some perception. I mean, if it's a normal Sunday and pastor is preaching like this, it's not, I mean, it's not. You understand me? It's not. They make, I, I don't know which English word to use. That's why I'm, I'm demonstrating. It's not. I mean, but if it's a program, I mean, if you meet, I told, I told some pastors that if you get excited when they invite you for a program, more than preaching to your own church, you are not in ministry yet. <laughs> get excited. Now, the name double boss. So I say, yeah, I'm doing it. No, you are not. Ministry is what I mean you have built. Ministry is what you have built for the Lord. Amen. But people are still in that state. A lot of people. So you, you have to factor that in your consideration. People take programs more serious than and this, I mean, the way maybe some people are sitting there, what I'm teaching. This one, if I was teaching in, in another church, the people will sit down and be listening. But you see, okay, let me go on because of time. Number three, we demonstrate to all that we are part of the vision of the church when we come for programs. We demonstrate it. It's a demonstration of our commitment 
and participation in the vision God is casting. Amen. When we come for programs. Number four. When we faithfully attend meetings, we give the devil no space to operate. The devil just gets uh, strangulated. When we attend meetings, we give the devil no space to operate. Number five. You encourage your pastor to keep doing what he's doing. When we are organized programs and you don't come, it's like, ah, these guys, they are just wasting our time. We better stop. I think at a certain point, I said I was going to stop flaming others. Because last year, when we held it, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't encouraging at all. <laughs> so I told the people that we are not going to do flaming notice again. Then I realized that flaming notice is my, it's a program that is on my heart. But if people come for programs, you encourage the pastor that, ah, he's doing a good work. He knows that his people are waiting. But if you don't come, it's like, pastor, cry, or higher, or higher. That's the message of higher. Amen. Number six. Empty chairs in a program demotivates the guest preacher. Whether you like it or not, when there are empty chairs during a program, it is a discouragement to the guest. I mean, he has been fasting. I mean, when you are going to preach, sometimes they tell you two months ahead. Three months ahead. So you are fasting and praying and believing God for revelation and manifestation. All two months. You come and only 35 people, the whole ICGC carries 35 people are ready to listen to you. Even your revelations will die, your eye will close. You don't see anything. Your mind to speak will be off. Amen. So empty chairs don't encourage guests. As for the local pastor there, he's used to it. He has seen empty chairs Tuesdays, Fridays, Tuesdays, Fridays. So it's normal. But for a guest to come, it means that, one, the guest will think that the pastor didn't do a good work in preparing his people. So you have tarnished the image of your pastor before the guest. Number two, it, it, the guest will feel that he is not a powerful man of God. Because he will say, ah, so if it was Ajinasari coming to Karis Temple, would the place be empty? Are you understanding the dynamics? So, you, so as he comes, no, he will relax. So there is a normal meeting. Meanwhile, it is not. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a mighty clap of friend. Number seven, if you don't come with a friend, you are not sure of your church. If you don't come for a program with your friend, you are not sure of your church. You are not sure of what your church is going to present to the person. You are like, hey, this is my church. If they this choir, when they hold the mic, you just don't know how it will go. I don't want to disgrace myself. Amen. So, if you don't come with a friend, it means that you are not sure of the church you are in. You are not sure of what your church is doing. So, it's imperative on us 
to always come for a program with a friend. Amen. Oh, pastor, when we invite them, they don't come. Are you sure? You should be able to invite them. Amen. Even the woman with the bad image in the community, he was telling them, come and see. Bad image, you good image, you cannot invite. So let's, anytime you don't come for a program with a friend, it means that you are not really sure of your church. The last but one, number eight. A well-organized and attended program speaks well of the church in the area. A well-organized and attended program speaks well of the church in the area. I mean, when, when we hosted Joe Metal and the whole place was packed, I mean, there was traffic to the village. Traffic. What do you think will happen in the area? Ah, what is happening? Which church is that? ICGC carries. Okay. You have registered something. No? The person will not even, might not even make a decision to join the church at that time. But another time, you hear that, ah, that program, do you know that uh, national security helicopter came around to look around and check what was happening? Then another time, you hear Prophet Brian Martin is coming. Another time, though, ah. How, uh, how many marketers are here? Who, who are those who, who are doing marketing? You understand what I'm talking about? Constant exposure to a product will convince you to buy one day. That's why they are on radio. They are, you, you, you think they are wasting money. Ah, one minute advert. They are, every time they are there, this way chocolate drink, it has become a brand. When did they come? It is not even sweet by my standard. It's not nice. But they've marketed it. Ah, now they are bringing variety. There's no way you can compare that with Milo. It's different. But constant, I mean, every child knows that advert. The landlord and the people. I mean, every time is there. So, constant marketing of a product. I mean, even if it's a lie, people now accept it as a truth. A lie that is spoken for a long time becomes truth to you. But this is not a lie. It's a church. Give the Lord a mighty clap of hands. The last one concerning programs. A program gives you the opportunity to share the gospel. Some of you will never speak about the church or Christ until we tell you to go and invite somebody for a program. If we don't do a program, some of you will just be dormant. I mean, uh, sir, go to house, come to church. Go to house, come to church. That is the song you sing. Go to house, come to church. Go to house, come to church. But when we are doing a program, and you, you get the opportunity, you're having the handbill, you have the opportunity to talk about the church and Christ. So this is what I want to teach on programs, and I want us to take our programs very seriously. It shows our commitment, our dedication to the work of God. Close your eyes and begin to pray. Pray for yourself. What is missing in today's church is commitment. 
What is missing in today's church is dedication. Pray for yourself. Nothing should separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Pray that today's message will minister to you. Commit your heart into God's hands. Pray for a good heart. A good ground to receive the word. That today's message will find a place in your heart. Or find a place to be planted, to grow, and to bear fruit. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray over your people. I pray that today your word will have a place in their lives. I pray and I bring their minds and their hearts under the feet of the word of God. That they will be ministered to by the word and receive transformation from the word of God. In Jesus name. Amen. Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. So, coming Saturday is a youth camp. And then the last Sunday in the month is single summit. It's going to be awesome. If, you, if even you are married, you can come. Because it's going to be... I'm going to teach on temperament. Temperament. Everybody has a certain temperament. And you have to know. You have to know the pros and the cons. The, the positive character and the negative character, how you can manage it, and how you can stop working in the weakness of that character. So whether you are married or not, I think that it will be a blessing to you to be in that service. Amen. If I ask you, what character are you? You don't know, Ima? What character are you? You are not a choleric. You are a sanguineous person. You are not. What, what, what character are you? You are one. Phlegmatic, correct. Darren, what character are you? Eh? You, phlegmatic. Maybe in church. <laughs> Lucy, what character are you? Eh? Sanguinous. Correct. Pa, pa, pa. So you, when we come and I start diagnosing, I mean, I start releasing the point, you start diagnosing us. Okay, 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 okay. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the service.